yes, I am so excited about this discussion tonight. Like it has been just an anticipated discussion on, I think, all sides. Um, and so, yeah, like this, this is going to be good. So how are you guys feeling? Pretty, you know, it's hard to describe emotions in, in real time, you know, sometimes. And uh, it's been a pretty tough week and a lot of emotions. And so been doing okay, you know, just utilizing a lot of tools I've developed over the years to try to be calm and in a place of awareness, you know, while so much is going on. A lot of uh, people are upset and, and just trying to be sensitive to that and also be sensitive to your own needs. And in, in the midst of all that can be challenging, but overall, doing good. Good. Good, very good. Mr. Hayes, how are you feeling? Um, I feel pretty good. I've been, uh, you know, holding it in the road. And uh, I think the, the biggest thing for me has just been making sure that I'm present uh, yeah. for the moment and just uh, not withdrawn. Been uh, really looking forward to, to this piece of it because I think, you know, when I give information, it's almost like I'm preaching to myself sometimes. Yeah. So it's yeah. always helpful. And, um, yeah. you know, navigating through the space as best we can. Yeah. Yeah. That's really all that we can do. Right. And so um, thank you for that. Thank you for um, just sharing with us where you are. I think that, you know, a lot of people, especially other men, are feeling a lot of what you're feeling. And so hopefully this discussion will be very helpful. Um, and so thank you for joining me on this conversation. We'll have Mr. McBride come in in about 15 minutes. <laughs> um, but first, I want you guys to introduce yourselves. And so uh, we'll start with you, Dr. Odin. If you can introduce yourself, tell us you know, what you do and what do you like most about this, this field, this mental health space? Sure. sure. So uh, I'm video right now. My name's Dr. Thomas Oden. I'm an adult and forensic psychiatrist. Uh, grew up in New Orleans, Louisiana. That's why I was initially introduced to mental health work and seeing, you know, how devastating mental health issues can be. Um, majored in psychology, so I have a BA in psychology from Morehouse College, and then from there went to med school in Boston University. Uh, knew I wanted to go into psychiatry from the back. Uh, did additional training in New Orleans at Tulane uh, for my psychiatry training and forensic fellowship training. Mm -hmm. and around 2015, after that, I had opportunity to travel, you know, throughout the U.S. doing short-term contracts. I always had interest in different types of like Eastern medicine practices, um, mm -hmm. like the introductory kind of uh, the potential of that in a way that mm -hmm. it can overlap on Western medicine models and just to help further uh, push along healing. And so. Got into Reiki, which is a Japanese form of, of healing that is representative in a lot of other cultures. You know, there have many cultures around the world that have this uh, healing practice of placing hands and using attention and prayer uh, mm -hmm. to facilitate additional healing. Um, mm -hmm. Practice in Africa, Latin America, you know, Native Americans all over. Mm -hmm. But I was introduced to it in a Japanese form of that technique and that's, that was developed in the 1920s. And so uh, I've studied that for a number of years. I have a private practice in Midtown Atlanta where I try to adopt an integrative uh, medicine model of using supplements in addition to uh, Reiki healing and as well as medication management as a psychiatrist to treat uh, mental health uh, issues. And I also uh, work through Morehouse School of Medicine as a clinic professor. And I work two days a week at Grady and uh, their outpatient community clinic. So pretty busy these days. <laughs> That's a lot. You have a lot going on. Uh, but yes, yeah, so I like mental health work because it, 
it gives you opportunity to impact a lot of people at once. You're helping someone become a better father, mother, sibling, friend. Um, the body can be very complex and, and, and having a knowledge base of understanding underlying medical issues, how that can affect your emotional state is important. And so I feel like I get opportunity to impact uh, communities and individual level by helping someone to push forward their their ideals and their dreams and their goals and, yeah. and whatever they're going through, keep them from achieving that. Yeah. Good stuff. Wow. You sound you sound really, really busy these days. Like, yes, I mean, what, what is life? What are we doing with our lives? Like, we're not busy enough. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty busy, but I enjoy what I do. You know, time yeah. goes pretty fast and, you know, it's hard to do what you want to do without having some type of grind associated with it. So yeah. I'm still working on getting to where I want to be, but overall, yeah. I enjoy the practice and I learn things as I go along too. I learn a lot from people. We're all connected. So, yeah. you know, and work with a number of, of patients who have things going on that I can relate to personally. Yeah. Um, and so it's always a reminder. And uh, I really appreciate the opportunity to help people. And, and that also helped me at the same time. So it's a good to be in this position overall. Good stuff. Good stuff. Thank you. Well, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule and many jobs. Um, <laughs> to join us and and so we're thankful to have um someone um like you in the field who is passionate about what you do and passionate about helping um your clients and so good stuff man thank you for being a part of the conversation appreciate it thank you uh scott tell tell me tell me what you do i don't know <laughs> so my name is Scott Hayes. i'm a um, licensed clinical social worker i work for uh for the va and I work at the VA domiciliary, uh, homeless domiciliary. And uh, we have a 90 day program there where mm -hmm. we work with veterans who are literally homeless and we bring them in. Uh, it's set up like a like a, a university dormitory would be. And uh, mm -hmm. we off the streets, uh, try to get them uh, stabilized on their mental health medication, uh, clean from drug and alcohol. Mm -hmm. And we the, the first 30 days really to get them into programming. We provide individual counseling, group counseling, um, and we have a multidisciplinary team of uh, professionals, psychiatrists, psychologists, uh, yeah. dietitian, uh, of course, social workers, um, nursing, uh, who's there 24 seven. And uh, we are really working to get those folks into some level of stable housing within 90 days while they're there in the program uh, yeah. with them. Uh, so uh, of course I do groups there and uh, my particular they're focused on uh, men. So I have one group uh, called Man Cave, which I'm very passionate about. Mm -hmm. And, you know, kind of talks to men about um, their humanity, being entitled mm -hmm. to their humanity. Mm -hmm and express their emotions mm -hmm. and uh, kind of unlearning uh, a lot of information that we were taught uh, as young boys about what it means to be entitled to all of your emotions that you're entitled yeah. to your, your yeah. anger and and aggressiveness as a solution to that and uh, just kind of embracing the whole of our humanity and uh, right. other groups is called surviving outside of structure and uh, right. just around uh, helping folks learn how to uh, really uh, arrive outside of a structured environment and, and outside of being in treatment. Uh, I don't have a whole bunch of other jobs, but uh, uh, not like Dr. Odin, but uh, I bake on the side. Um, 
And so that's my therapy for myself. And uh, I'm a part-time militant Negro. Uh, <laughs> you know what? I, I cannot. Thank you, Scott. Thank you for being a part of the conversation. Um, and thank you for all that you do for in this field and for our veterans. Um, so, yes. And I am B Speaks on Facebook. <laughs> um, I'm a licensed clinical social worker. I, too, work for um, the same federal entity as uh, Mr. Hayes. And I'm a reentry um, specialist. So I basically travel to uh, different prisons within the state. And I assist uh, individuals who are getting ready to be released with getting linked to resources so that when they are released from prison, they are not transitioning to the street. Um, I also have a part-time private practice, and I'm also the CEO of Pearls of Esther Incorporated, which is a women's empowerment organization that is dedicated to equipping women to be whole in every area of life. And um, that is all that I do, child of God, and I'm a daughter. I have nephews, I have a father, I have a stepfather, and I have brothers. And so this conversation is um, very near and dear to my heart. And so I just wanted to create a platform um, for this conversation to happen. Um, so without um, further delay, let's jump right into depression and anxiety. Um, you guys are coming from a little bit of a different angle just because you have that clinical experience. And so for some reason, I'm not able to see the comments here on the screen. So if you see me look down, I'm actually gonna read the comments from my phone. Um, I'm gonna actually turn my phone down so that you know you won't get the echo. But anyway, as comments come up, if I'm not able to see them on the screen, then I'll just you know ask you. So when we talk about stress and anxiety, I think sometimes we use those two kind of you know, interchangeably. And so what is your definition of stress and anxiety? What does that look like for men? How, what, how could that be manifesting right now? So there's no particular order. I mean, anybody just jump in if you, you know, want to share. Sure. I can go. I think we touched on a good point in how people will interchange anxiety from stress. Oftentimes, we'll uh, try to get patients to explain how they would describe anxiety. So, if they were teaching anxiety to someone, how would you describe that? Because that lets me understand, you know, how they're using language and how they're expressing their emotions through language as well. Mm -hmm. um, from a, a definition standpoint, from like how we look at it in psychiatry, you know, it's a persistent state of worrying um, that can be generalized in nature or be focused on one particular particular stressor. Um, mm -hmm. Over time, that can impact your ability to sleep well, to concentrate, your appetite, because ultimately we know that there are brain changes that occur when you are in that state of anxiety. It is somewhat of a prolonged stress response, which means there's likely some inflammation involved in the process. But mm -hmm. the triggers for anxiety can be, you know, from a lot of different reasons, from different environmental stressors and triggering events that happen and things mm -hmm. that happen in the past that overall heighten someone's um, awareness where they have an active fear response as a result. But sometimes um, anxiety can be based on things that aren't actually true, that uh, persistent worry over time becomes a bit fixed in the brain. Our brain, you know, there's this concept of neuroplasticity in which um, if you have a certain thought pattern going on for a certain period of time, it could be very difficult to change that. 
our body mm-hmm. is constantly trying to find a state of equilibrium and balance. And mm-hmm. so um, anxiety is, 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 is persistent worry, persistent stress. Um, it can cause a lot of different problems. It can really impact your ability to, to focus and, and get on with your life. Uh, yeah. Add loops of thinking that's intrusive, thinking about the same thing over and over again and taking yourself out. So it's a lot. Of, it's a lot of energy expenditure involved in yeah. um, anxiety. But everyone will describe it differently. People express it differently. Uh, many people you may not tell that they experience anxiety when you first meet them. Um, they may they just may internalize that often. And they may come off a bit more moody. And I think as men, you may see that more prominently. We may not share uh, how we're feeling or describing our symptoms as anxiety, but we might become more withdrawn. Uh, we may, you know, have irregular sleep patterns. You may have yeah. more irritability. Uh, things that you may be faster at doing may take longer periods of time to do. Maybe work activity, something that requires some concentration. And so um, it can also present as body aches and muscle, you know muscle aches and, and stomach pain and nausea and vomiting. And so there's an entire sequelae of symptoms that can, that can occur with uh, anxiety, mm-hmm. but it's important to really engage in talking to someone about it so that you can flesh out those symptoms because you may not actually know that you're experiencing anxiety at the time that you're actually having the symptoms. Right, right. So I like what you said about, um, and Scott, I want you to actually uh, piggyback on this as well. Hey, Broderick, how are you? Hey now, how we doing? Good, good, good. Thank you for joining. Everybody, this is Broderick. Broderick, this is everybody. <laughs> Greetings, brother. Hey, brothers, how y'all doing? Good. Broderick is now in the dancery. So uh, anyway, um, so I like what you <laughs> Right, right. Thank you for joining. Um, I like what you said, um, Dr. O, about how in men, it can sometimes look like being withdrawn which you know for us sometimes as as women because we are you know sometimes we can be more expressive so when something's bothering us we want to talk about it but that's good to know that sometimes if you're feeling um anxious and we'll actually get to ways that women can support in these instances but that's good to know that sometimes being withdrawn um, can definitely be, and you know, a host of other things can definitely be symptoms of stress or anxiety. Um, Scott, can you piggyback on that? What does that, um, do you have anything to add in terms of what that can look like in men, especially right now with, I mean, a whole pandemic fam, like we have a whole pandemic, we have a whole civil war going on outside, like, talk to me, what, what, how so, can you- I, I think I think that you all learn like even through the this session that I'm uh I'm I'm relatively simple. Um mm-hmm. and I I just believe in, in very simple definitions and, and mm. making uh, applicable for me. And um so you know when I look at anxiety, I really think about um like a a, a feeling of, of uh almost intense uneasiness that you mm-hmm. that you can't shake. And yeah. then me, the stress is almost like, like my body's response to, mm-hmm. to what, whether it's like my palm sweating when we first went, went live or, you know, whatever that may be for you. Yeah. I think in particular with, with men, um, people sometimes may say that, that we shut down or are, are withdrawn and they don't know what's going on with us. But even, even that is something. You know, a lot of times people say that we're not saying anything, but we're, we're speaking very loudly when that happens. Mm. So 
and when uh, we are not communicative uh, in the way that we have been in the past. So even when we're saying nothing, we're, we're absolutely saying something. Yeah. Right. And, uh, and, and then you got to have a conversation about what it looks like to be able to uh, feel comfortable enough to, to share what those feelings are with wow. someone and being able to key in, into that and have that conversation. Right. 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 So that's that's also a key point in being able to know how to express that. So I want to I want to come along uh, behind that. Broderick, talk to us about and, and I know we kind of touched on this a little bit in the very first session, but um, do you think there are uh, just a lot of individuals? And when we since we're talking about um, men's mental health, do you think that especially among African American men that it is still very difficult for men to express? what they're feeling, even in everything that we've got going on right now. Absolutely. Um, so it, I, I don't necessarily believe in generalization. So I think that each man is a bit different. Yeah, um, but okay. I think just overall, though, um, there is a such thing as it being difficult for men just to communicate exactly what mm -hmm. we are, um, because yeah. oftentimes it requires a level of vulnerability that a number of us, one, are not comfortable with. Um, mm -hmm. because of levels of toxic masculinity, um, mm -hmm. but also, too, do we authentically trust said safe spaces? Um, wow. Sometimes, you know, you could um, be willing to undress yourself, if you will, like figuratively mm -hmm. undress yourself and wow. um, disclose your woundedness and mm -hmm. your woundedness is prodded with, wait a minute, you being too sensitive, wait a minute, there's nothing to cry about. Um, wait a minute, you shouldn't even feel a way about that. So once certain boundaries or rules have been broken, it's mm -hmm. now deemed that space isn't trusted anymore. Wow. So instead of me divulging to a once safe space where I am, what I feel, um, and even what I think, I'll just keep it bottled up inside because I know that at least with me, it's safe. Even if it is damaging, even if it does lead to um, a slow death, it's a death that I'm familiar with. It's a death that mm. I have control over, if you wow. will. So I think that for some of us, yes, it is It is definitely difficult. But when we know for real, for real, that we are in a safe space and we're able to divulge and we're able to share um, and not necessarily sharing from the sake of wanting somebody to fix it, but just being an ear. Once yeah. we know that, fam, listen, you got a whole water faucet. Um, there's more than willing to divulge. So right. yeah, that, that's that's what I, I think. Yeah. Wow. Anybody want to piggyback on that or add to it? I want I want to add to that in that um I think it's important that we note that um the way that, that men often uh, show up in the world for a lot of us, it's almost like we we face the world with we I leave out of this house every day with my with my armor on. Right, mm -hmm. when I put my clothes, I put my armor on, because I'm not expecting that this world is is gonna care about me, yeah. mm -hmm. right? And mm -hmm. so, when I come home, mm -hmm. this is my safe space. This is where I can take off my armor, and I can feel comfortable in this space. Now, mm -hmm. the same thing really goes with with creating, you know, 
the safe space of my home and having an emotional safe space when I can undress, uh, when I can be emotionally naked, which I, I would contend is, is much harder than being physically naked um, with someone that you want to be intimate with. There, there is an emotional intimacy and being emotion, emotionally uh, naked with a person requires much more vulnerability. And um, we have to know that that's a, a safe space. And right. part of that is our responsibility. And mm -hmm. a part of it is the responsibility of the person who wants to be in that safe space with you. Right. Right. Good stuff. That actually, um, I saw so many people post on social media that like black people were tired, we're so tired. And I think this to piggyback off of what you said, the layers that we we have to have when we walk out of our homes to feel protected and to feel safe. Yeah. And it's just awesome to do that. And so when you get home and you finally can be naked in your emotions, um, oftentimes many people can be depleted and they may not be able to actually you know, give that energy to their partner when they're home or their family. Yeah. Of all the layers they had to take up, take on before they left the house and all the layers they're taking off when they get home. And so, you know, we, we speak about it very, um, you know, as, as is something that we all have to work with, but there's there's so many complications of that. And um, and it makes for these type of conversations in which we're trying to, you know, have an understanding of how men react to emotions and, and how, you know, women could potentially be more supportive of us or we could be supportive yeah. of each other as men. And then that 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 um, exhaustion, you know, can can really be a barrier there. Yeah. Wow. That's good. I like that that analogy also of just being exhausted with just like you said, all the layers that you have to put on to go out and face the world, and then everything that you have to take off to come home emotionally and mentally. So, um, thank you for your your um, feedback on that. Before I move forward, we have um, Tuskegee stand up. I mean, Scott got a whole amen corner over here. Um, so, hey, John. Oh, John Bernard, thank you for tuning in. So, yes, Wifey is on here. We have a whole, um, yes, you can actually share the video now. I apologize, um, guys. I did not know that it was like friends only or something, but you can share it now. So all the comments are coming up. Um, so we have a question. April says, what happens when you can never have a safe space to take your armor off? Um, armed to go outside, but can't do it at home either. So what do you do when you feel like you can't have a safe space? For me, um, I am immediately developing an exit strategy. Um, if I if I'm in a community where I authentically feel as if that I can't or I'm not safe to take my armor off, especially if I deem this space to be an intimate space, to be an intimate environment, um, mm -hmm. whether if it's my family, you know, family by choice or family that I share blood with or mm -hmm. um, young lady that I'm dating, like if if there's a moment where um, I feel as if it is consistent, even after having direct conversation and saying, hey, this is something that I need. I think that there are one or two things that can happen. Um, yeah. either we can make the adjustment within ourselves because we realize, hey, this community that I'm part of doesn't have the capacity or the bandwidth to give me what I need right now, even if I can't necessarily um, specify exactly what I need. I know, I know what it's not. 
when something is given, if that makes sense. Like I might yeah. not know what I need, but when yeah. you give me something, that ain't it, right? Um, so if I discover, hey, my community doesn't necessarily have the bandwidth to give me what I need, then the issue isn't necessarily with you, it's with me. So let me figure out another space to yeah. go. Um, and if after having very direct conversation and it's still not given, for me personally, I'm developing some type of exit strategy because if wow. I can't necessarily um, feel safe in an environment mm -hmm. to just be me emotionally, and I deem this something that is very close and dear and sincere to my makeup and the essence of who I am as a man, mm -hmm. then yeah, I, I, I got to get out the dancery. I appreciate you. You, you out the dancery? Uh, <laughs> I, I got I to gotta get out the dancery. So. Yeah. Wow. So um, I think I think what Roger said is a, is a very healthy um, way of dealing with it. But I've, I've been on the flip side of that. And um, mm. you know, as a, a therapist who's in therapy, I can tell you that in those times in the past when I've not felt like there was a safe space, I medicated um, and I medicated with what what my what my bullshit was. And uh, so, you know, and it depends on what each individual man's uh, vice is or what your BS is. It can it can be gambling. It can be pornography. It can be jumping into some woman's DMs that gives you some attention. But if, if I have to carry the weight of this armor and there is no safe space, then I'm going to medicate because at some point it's going to get too heavy for me and not have this armor on for 24 hours a day. And if, if, if I ain't got no beast powder, if I ain't got something to, to make that pain go away uh, or relieve that, I'm, I'm going to medicate with something. And often it's uh, whatever my thing is. For, for some people, it's, it's alcohol. For some folks, it's weed, it's cocaine. Uh, it's a, you know, a, a multitude of women. Or it, it, It's really just whatever your thing is. Um, if we can't find healthy spaces in which we're able to, to undress and feel comfortable, then we'll just medicate. Wow. Wow. Good stuff. Dr. O, do you want to add to this? Yeah. I mean, just, you know, not, not having a safe, safe space is very challenging. It's almost like you have to find one because like, uh, as Scott said, you know, you will self-destruct that energy has to go somewhere. Um, and if you're not able to really have a space of expressing emotions, then it'll just more likely go inward. Um, but as long as you, you have to first identify that a safe space is needed in order to even strategize to find it. And so um, that may not always be readily available at first glance, but I, 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 I strongly believe in when we put something to the forefront of our, our goals and aspirations, like I, I need to find a safe space. And as long as we're in that, and, and that's in the forefront, it's not something we're pushing off, it's just something that we're giving a lot of attention to. I feel like it increased the likelihood of, of that being found, even if you have to go inwards and it just comes into reading or educating yourself. But the reality is not everyone has the same resources to to have these healthy ways of, of finding opportunities to relieve stress, you know, and, and those are barriers. And oftentimes when we work with a, a mental health professionals, we, we are very much an acknowledgement of those barriers. We know that that, that can complicate treatment. And so, um, you know, getting someone to help you can help you, just, you know, to establish what you may need that you may not actually see as opportunity yourself. And so I would say, you know, keep reaching out to people that you know, um, keep working on that, keep working on self-expression, 
and um, eventually some types of opportunities to find a space to in which you can engage and someone honestly should be able to happen, but it may not happen exactly when you want it to happen. And it's just right. have faith with that and hopefully support it too, to keep that intention as well. Right, right, right. Good stuff. Thank you for that question. That was good. I think too, just to add to that real quick and I'll, I'll keep it brief. I think that we have an inward responsibility or a responsibility ourselves, right? To set the framework up for what safe space looks like. Mm. And what, what we sometimes don't do and are unable uh, to take responsibility for is that the onus is on us, right? And not, not even men, right? But on mm. each individual person to set the framework for what um, safe space looks like for you, right? Mm -hmm may mean you have to set that framework and then whoever you plan to be in relationship with mm -hmm. um, it doesn't necessarily have to be a, um, a romantic relationship this mm -hmm. goes for our relationships the people that we surround ourselves with the, right. the work relationships that we establish because mm -hmm. all of all of those areas they, they require uh, having safe space and it's up to us to to build that framework out and tell other people what that looks like for us so that we can then, you know, have an expectation for people to jump in and say, hey, I'm willing to work on this with you or I'd like the opportunity to help you with building this in as right. it relates to our relationship together. Right. 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 Absolutely. We're social. we're social beings. We're, we're not we're not designed to handle any of these life struggles and conflicts by ourselves. Right. Um, we're stronger with the people around us and so it's like you said it's very important to find find those people that we can confide in they may not be someone close to you they may not be a friend they may not be someone that you hired but either way someone who's invested and can put their full attention into you so they can help facilitate the things that you're working on you know so yeah. absolutely yeah good stuff good stuff thank you thank you thank you um, this is good. Hey, I'm I'm just taking it in. Like I I I'm not a professional tonight. Like I'm just, you know, I'm just a woman off the street, just coming in, just <laughs> just get being fed all this information. And so um Broderick had to hop off again for a minute. He's a superstar tonight. He's filming two different things right now, so he'll probably hop in and on and off. Um, but let's let's keep it moving um for the sake of time. Um, so when we talk even about, when we talk about depression, uh, we talked about stress and anxiety and what that can look like. Um, and again, we know that depression looks very differently for different people. And so let's talk specifically about men. Like, yeah, let's, let's talk about it from a clinical standpoint. Um, what does this look like? How can this manifest for the person who may be listening, who is saying like, I, you know, I think I may, I may be depressed, but I don't really know. Like, you know, will I, can I shake this off? You know, maybe I can't. So, so what can this look like? What have you seen in your clinical experience or personal experience or whatever you feel like sharing um, when it comes to depression? Yeah, once again, um, and I oftentimes will try to take in the patients, you know, how they view their depression. But overall, you know, I think it, it can be very difficult to tell that you're like why you're actually depressed that you're actually clinically depressed. And so 
Oftentimes, I, I just try to just give different examples. Or, well, when's the last time you really had a prolonged sense of enjoyment where you were happy and you were doing things that you want to do? And now, with how they respond, someone may say, "Oh, it's been a year. It's been years since I've really engaged in things I enjoy doing." You know, we have this like diagnostic statistical model of being able to diagnose things, and so in psychiatry, we're very much heavily symptom oriented as far as how we look at you know what the criteria for depression, and so. You know, we go over how you're sleeping, or what do you enjoy to do? Have you been doing those things lately, or have you been decreasing things you normally enjoy? You know, how's your energy level during the day? How's your concentration? How's your appetite? And so, you know, we're looking at all these like physiological parameters of, of how someone is maybe dealing with some type of prolonged stress state. But mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a stress response, it's a prolonged stress response uh, mm -hmm. for weeks at a time. You're having more bad days than good days. You know, it's almost like seeing the world with sunglasses on. So everything has a negative viewpoint on it. And so you're, you're seeing everything very much in a, it's in a darker way, in a place of hopelessness and helplessness. And so it, but how someone communicates that and how that looks in real time can really vary from person to person. Someone, when they're depressed, they may not want to get out of the bed. You know, they're in bed all day. They get some low energy. They can't be bothered with stuff. And in some people, well, they may distract themselves. They may go to people's substances or engage in behaviors that are self-destructive when because they they can't really sit too long with that negative emotion. They have to distract themselves by things. And so um, that's why you know it's important to once again just talk to someone because the more a provider or healthcare professional, or mental health professional can get to know you better, the more they can understand how depression is affecting you because that can impact treatment planning so much when you're trying to figure out, okay, how can I get this person better in a prolonged way? But you need to understand this person's background. You need to see how they view themselves, how they view mm -hmm. uh, their particular illness, if they even consider it an illness. They may say, well, everyone around me is depressed. Everyone's having a hard time right now, which is probably what we're all facing on a national level and in that right. lives that, hey, well, I feel down, I feel sad, I feel overwhelmed with what's happened over the past right. You know, but everyone else next to me is also feeling that way. But how can we separate ourselves from the collective and also acknowledge how we feel individually? Mm -hmm. A healthcare professional can really help you with that because they can help pinpoint how long have you felt this way? How long has insomnia been? Have you had any recent weight loss? When's the last time you saw your primary care doctor? There may be some labs that you need to get done because vitamin D seems to also affect your mood as well. And if you have certain dietary um, habits that can be, you know, conducive to having um, poor nutrition that can also look like depression. And so I think that, you know, if you can, you can talk to a bunch of people who have depression and they all would describe it differently. They all right. impacted their lives differently. And so it's just important to engage in those conversations with someone who had the, the, the years of training and experience to help to, to tease out what's going you know? So Overall, that was a long explanation. It, it is a, a complex like question because there's so yeah. many cultural frameworks of how someone describes their emotional state, you know? Yeah. Uh, overall, uh, there's ways of looking at it just from a biological perspective, from a neurological perspective, from a nature versus nurture environmental standpoint. You know, so all those things intersect at once when it comes to various mental health disorders, uh, which is why I find it particularly, you know, very interesting, but it can make for, you know, very layered and, and long conversations in which you really have to take some time to get to know someone in order to fully establish how, you know, how, what are their triggers, what are their defenses, you know, mm -hmm. strengths, 
um, and how they're going to naturally kind of uh, react to adversity. Right. Now, let me ask you this. And then, Scott, I'm going to come to you. So I get this question a lot. Right. So people. Well, I'm not going to say people. That's a generalization. Sometimes individuals are not sure of the difference between a psychologist and a psychiatrist. So they may think, oh, can I can I go to a psychologist and they prescribe me medication? And it's like, well, no. But so can you just very briefly give the difference between a psychologist and a psychiatrist? Because if I guess if you're not kind of in this world, it can be a little confusing and the lines can be a little blurred. Um, so can you take just like a brief yeah, sure, 30 sure. seconds and give us a yeah, it's just like a normal question I actually get from from patients. Not, you know, it's it's just a overall. You, know, you have media, and oftentimes in TV shows, they will interchange the psychiatrist and a the therapist, and mm -hmm. there there is a lot of confusion there. But overall, a psychiatrist has a medical degree, and so they spent you know four years learning the human physiology and pathology and genetics and the whole you know. Um, list of, of different medical training, and then you go into a specialized uh, practice of psychiatry. It's more of an interface between the brain and the body, understanding how medical conditions can worsen emotional states, and um, also have a way to have a, a thorough workup when someone is exhibiting certain emotional states for a prolonged period of time. Uh, there's testing involved, there's medication, but medication is probably the biggest uh, distinguishing factor where a psychiatrist can prescribe medication, and we have a number of different uh, types of medication used to treat various mental health disorders that all have this, you know, they all have potential side effects that can impact or worsen pre existing conditions. And so we are a, a arm of a medical service that mm -hmm. can help to, you know, establish a uh, overall healthy baseline for someone what's going on to also have inter interdisciplinary. Uh, collaborative efforts between other medical doctors too, and so mm -hmm. it, the main distinguishing factor is, is definitely the medication management. And I'm a, I'm a big advocate for therapy. Usually, when I when I talk to patients, even though I'm not offering therapy, I still will try to figure out what type of therapy they would best you know fit under for treatment. Mm -hmm. uh, I've had a, a lot of personal you know uh, benefits from engaging in therapy myself, and so I feel like it's something that can really be helpful. Everyone has different blind spots. But when you're seeing a psychiatrist, we are primarily focused on the mm -hmm. stress and we are using uh, medication to counter that in different ways. Right. Good stuff. Good stuff. So Dr. Regina is on here and she is a psychologist. She says most psychologists like myself do not have prescription privileges. So, oh. yeah, that's kind of what you said. So I'm, I'm kind of moderating all of the uh, thank you all for these comments and questions. I'm trying to read them and moderate as best I can. Um, so, Scott, tell me, talk to us a little bit about um, depression. What does that What does that look like when we talk about when we talk about men? When we talk about even more so, we want to talk about African American men. Is it how How do you see that manifesting? Um, well. We I, I want to make sure that we highlight in this moment just what Dr. Owen said, that, it, that it's a difference in clinical dep depression uh, and, and feeling depressed, right? And so it's important that, um, you know, folks are feeling like they may be clinically dep depressed, uh, that they check in with someone, that they see a psychiatrist, see a therapist, um, have those 
those uh, those conversations about you know if you're having anhedonia or which just means that I don't enjoy the things that I used to enjoy. Uh, you know, sleeping all the time. I don't have the energy to get out of bed. Uh, I have no desire to be out of bed. I'm not bathing. You know those types of things. Um, wow. And it can differently in different folks. Uh, if I'm isolating, whereas I'm usually, you know, up and out and about and I enjoy doing a whole bunch of different things. And I think I'm seeing uh, it, it's more complex for, for us now in that uh, even in the, in the dom where I work, you know, uh, my folks are, they're isolating because most of their groups that they do with us now are, are telehealth or, or, yeah. uh, via zoom or, or um, video connect or something so they're in their rooms like throughout the day and so i worry most about my folks who have um depression diagnoses you know checking in on those folks and making sure that they're okay so we're trying mm -hmm. to keep them safe but also we want to make sure that they're not you know it's we're not you know contributing to the perfect storm of, of them isolating and being by themselves not coming out of their room and not talking um yeah. And, and frequently, it's, it's so difficult for for men to um, to say what is actually happening to them um, because we pride ourselves a lot of times on I ain't bothering nobody, right? And yeah. if what I used to do when I get upset was I, I would bother folks or I fight or or I go to jail and that kind of thing. As long as I ain't bothering nobody, then I'm okay. And it's, it's to be said for being able to recognize when, even when you're, you're not necessarily bothering anybody, that that you can still be very much depressed or having a depressive episode. Wow. So you're saying that even though you're not bothering anybody, that it can still be just as destructive. Maybe now the destruction the destruction is turned inward, whereas before you would destroy relationships or. I don't know property or whatever else. Now you're you're turning that destruction inward. Is that is that what you're saying? Absolutely, and I would it could be that much more dangerous, right? Yeah. Because in those moments, you really don't have anybody to intervene in mm. those. Okay. Okay. You, have, you know, shown up and told anybody what may be going on with you in that moment. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that can be that can be different for us as well because mm -hmm. you know of this this whole I, I got my cape on right I got my outer shirt on yeah so, <laughs> right and so this is my cape uh, protects me from right and yeah. it, there there's something about men that that uh, that I've seen for a lot of us that says I don't mind losing but I'm gonna lose on my terms. Mm. Right? Some of the major difficulty that I have uh, with my folks who experience different levels of, of depression and even struggling with trying to maintain a, in a treatment plan mm -hmm. is that if they they take a medication or they give it a trial and it's not working or mm -hmm. they have um, some symptomatology or or some um, some side effect that shows up that's not favorable, they may stop taking that medication, not tell anybody about it, and just decide, well, I tried this. It yeah. didn't work. So yeah. I might as well lose on my own terms, right? And a lot of times we will we, do that, and I see my folks do that a lot um, where the medication is involved or not. 
uh, it shows up just in, in men who may just be experiencing what we're experiencing right now, right? Yeah. I'm trying my best to, to show up as my best self in this moment. Uh, I jumped out of my house and now I got a flat tire. So you yeah. know what? The hell with it. Right. And so yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll be open to giving things a, a try, but yeah. then it'll be the very first thing that goes wrong to say, okay, I showed up as my best self. This thing went wrong. I'm out. Wow. Yeah. Wow. You have anything to add to that, Dr. Yeah. the comment about, you know, wearing a cape. What I what I've noticed is, you know, throughout my life and, and how men engage other men when we collect in groups, you know, we we want to showcase our strength. You know, we want to showcase, we want to talk about everything about everything about everything else except for our feelings. So we want to talk about sports or our dating life or cars or you know our jobs, but Oftentimes, you know, we're not really answering that question. How are you doing? How have you been? You know, because there is something about being a man in which, you know, I think we're just naturally part of our evolutionary process in our DNA to really showcase strength when we can. Um, and so when you're around other men, you know, you don't necessarily want to put yourself in this, I'm feeling vulnerable. I cried last night. You know, those aren't really typical conversations you may not, you may not, you may not hear when you collect as group in a group as a, uh, as a man. And so, I think that you know that model is 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 clearly not working well for us. Yeah. And, um, you know, we're going to have to really engage how we we really have conversations with ourselves. And I, I think just having a pandemic going on and everyone's being forced to really sit down and be more present. And I, I, I've had more um, deeper layered conversation with male friends than I've had in a long time, in which we're we're, we're being more honest with each other about how we're feeling come off and you know it's hard to to really sustain a, a certain level of this new america that we're in right now and all these yeah. changes and so i've yeah. seen people defenses go down in a way where you're like well why was it up in the first place but you can tell it's up because of the stigma of mental health and i think there's just some qualities of being a man that can result in you're not fully utilizing the the network you have with your friends because yeah. you know it's it's more important to showcase how strong you are and that things are going well. And I think that's natural, you know. Yeah. But it's, uh, as we enter complex times, we're going to have to evolve in our ability to utilize the the resources around us. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Um, just like you said, being able to have that that safe space amongst your brothers. You know what I mean. Um, taking off your cape and being able to have very honest and vulnerable conversations. So for someone who is is listening and, you know, I know we kind of touched on earlier, especially with the climate that we're in. I know that I keep going um, back to that, um, but we have we have some questions. I'm sorry, not questions, comments, um, just highlighting everything that you guys have said. So. I'm trying to go through as fast as I can. Thank you all for these comments. Thank you for the questions. Um, you know, shout out to Scott. Scott, you have a whole fan club. What's going on? Do you pay these people? <laughs> I'm just playing. I'm giving him a hard time. Um, so guys, these are like some, these are our amazing questions and amazing responses. So let's let's talk a little bit about what it looks like for men to establish a sense of safety um, with your brothers, right? With with 
your 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 guy group because earlier we talked about what it looks like when you're relating to you know another woman and we're going to going through what we're going through um but how do you actually take that step to um be able yes i see the question about getting young boys to express what they're feeling so let's let's go there first so i'm switching it up a little bit how do you get young boys to express what they're feeling what would be your recommendation for that and i shared earlier that um i was talking to uh, my barber today and one of the things that he said was that hey i don't know how to really like how do i explain to my you know 11 year old about what's going on like how do you explain like first it was COVID 19 and explain it like you know you're not going back to school and it's you know it's not just that you're not going back to school now i have to explain to you and you know why this stuff is happening on the news and what it means to be black in america what it means to be a black male like there's just so many different layers that that I'm, I can imagine parents are having to um, explain. And so, how do you um, number one get young boys to talk about how they're feeling, and then how do you also engage them and help them to understand um, how they're feeling? So, I know that was complex. So if you if you. <laughs> I'm going to jump into a portion of it. And the first thing that you know, I want to make sure that, that um, I say is that um, it, it's important for for us to understand that some of these things are, are um, we'll have to learn to communicate just by being honest, just by, by being able to tell our, our young men, our, our nephews, our sons, you know, I really don't know, right? But we're, we're going to you know, make an effort to find some resources that may help us both navigate through this. Mm-hmm. And I, some of us are experiencing in this moment what and what I am experiencing in this moment is I have this profound anger wow. um, that I experienced recently. Wow. And it's because I feel like I had to have this conversation, this conversation with my nephew. Wow. And I am upset that my nephew has been robbed of his innocence in this way. Wow. Um, that he's not able to um, talk to Uncle Scott about going to just the park, um, mm-hmm. a, a trip that we have planned to for him mm-hmm. to come to Atlanta and spend the mm-hmm. weekend with me. But having to have a, a deeper conversation over COVID-19 and about, um, you know, the rebellion that's going on right now yeah. and having to because you kids have a tendency to be like oh okay well why yeah and, yeah and then in, in in the midst of that what i have to do is stop and recognize that that i'm experiencing something right i'm experiencing man he's being robbed of his joy yeah He's being robbed of his innocence in this moment, and how that makes me feel as a, as a black man experiencing right. this as well. So I think it's okay to set the tone by saying, "Hey, I don't know," but also this is upsetting for me, and it's okay that it's upsetting for you. And I think one thing that we pointed out a little bit earlier was this idea of of unlearning, right? Unlearning this kind of tough guy mentality and and the belief that. Um, 
we are not entitled to have those those initial feelings. There mm-hmm. are our automatic thoughts. And yeah. I have I have my clinical training. I'm yeah. in touch with that. I can do that well, but I still have my automatic thoughts. So right. I'd be like, I'm, I'm sick of these folks taking joy from 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 black men, from black women, from mm-hmm. from black from black mm-hmm. girls. And mm-hmm. how I feel about that in that moment because I yeah. need to do that right in order to show up. And more yeah. than that, not only showing up, because a lot of times we give ourselves credit uh, as men for showing up. But there's another there's another level to that. You have to show up as your best self in that wow. moment. And wow. I believe every day that that all of us are we're we're showing up as our best self, you yeah. know. Um with the tools that we have at the moment. Like I'm right. I'm here and and there's a whole other level to being here and being vulnerable enough to yeah. say, hey, this this all I got. Right. This is who I am in this moment. And I don't have the answer, but we can learn it together. And right. that for the friendships that I have as well. When mm-hmm. when me and my partner get together, we are we we are trying to have some of those conversations just about showing up, showing up as your best self and being able to have those conversations about, hey man, I don't know what's going on right now, but I feel like I'm, I'm about to flip every table in here. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's good. Um, yeah. Dr. O, do you want to add something to that? We, I, I see your questions. I promise I'm, I'm going to get to them. So Dr. Dr. O, do you want to add something to that? Um, Trying to understand someone else's emotions can be quite difficult. I mean, we have a whole field of study dedicated to it, you know, countless books and resources. And so first, don't give yourself too much grief about it. Don't be too hard on yourself. It's actually quite difficult to understand how someone's feeling, especially how they may not actually have the emotional language to describe how they're feeling. And so that's when you have to sometimes get creative or utilize different resources online to, to, to figure out ways to do that or different books um, you may have to for example you know a, some kids if they, they may be able to describe how they feel based on hey can you find a song that you can find that you know that can tell me how you're feeling right now that may be helpful for a child or can you draw something to represent how you feel right now um, or you know can you make a short story or just you know if they have to meet them where they're at in order to understand uh, how they're feeling, um, and that can be useful. Some people may express their emotions through colors. You know, they may be able to describe it that way. And so, um, it's, it's actually difficult. It, it, it does require help. Um, you, you can't. It's hard to really do it by yourself. And so, yeah. I think that's a, a important part to 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 uh, point out that you know those types of questions, those types of uh, struggles, are, are not something that that everyone can really handle on their own. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. forced to. But Ultimately, if you can use you know resources around you to, to help navigate that conversation, that can be very useful. But I just felt it was important to to let people know to not be too hard on themselves. You know, I'm yeah. learning more ways to to gauge uh, someone's emotional state. So you know, <laughs> take the time for that. Right, right. Good stuff. That's good. Being creative with how they may want to express their emotions based on um, yeah. How they love them now. Yeah, good stuff. Um, there's a question specifically. Okay, so um, there was another question, and then there's a question specifically for you, Dr. O. 
Um, but this first question says, how do men exist with what's currently happening in our nation? I think we kind of touched on this as a colleague, spouse, father, brother, all while we have a cascading health crisis. How do they stay lifted, make a difference, be inspiring and carry the mental load? That sounds exhausting just reading. <laughs> How do you do all of those things? Um, well, first you have to check in with yourself. You know, um, Black people, we're, we're very sensitive people. We're very connected people and we're affected by emotions around us, whether or not we want to, you know, why don't we know that? And acknowledge that we're in the past. We are very empathic people, and so it's very important to uh, wake up, establish how you're feeling, establish mm -hmm. you know, how am I feeling physically, how am I feeling emotionally, uh, how, how's my center doing right now, and if it's not great, at least you know it's not great when you're starting your day, and so you can be in a plan mode. So I just I find it very important to put into the conscious forefront that the things you need to work on. And even if you're not, even if you're distracted doing other things, as long as you're highlighting um, when you start your day, how you're doing, you're more likely to be in awareness of that. And so I think it's very challenging to, to be centered in your core right now while understanding there's civil unrest, there's a pandemic going on that's affected people that we know and uh, our lives have changed, changed in some way. And so, you know, it can be very challenging to, to, to burden the weight of all that on your shoulders, yeah. but you have to be able to check in how you're feeling because guess what? You're also influenced by the fact that there's so much going on around you yeah. that's affecting you as well. And so I think you have to initially tease out where you're at mm -hmm. and tease out how much of this feeling that I have, this uncomfortable feeling is me compared to how much of this is the, the people around me. You know, wow. I have people that are, that are upset, that are angry, that are you know, reliving certain trauma from from these uh, this week of ex experiences, and to be an awareness of the distinguishing factors between yourself and certain yeah. around you, I feel like puts you in a better place to position yourself to be in more awareness, which ultimately allows your opportunity to. Because I I feel like a lot of the the behavior patterns that lead to negative outcomes and negative self perceptions they don't happen overnight. You know, it's something that grows over time. It's very in that way and so things will snowball and so being in more awareness of how you feel which just feel like puts you in a better preparation mode to to understand how you need to navigate your, your your rest of your day as a result but also being very mindful that hey i'm going to feel out of sources because most america feels that way right now yes <laughs> and that's all impacting me all at once and i'm going to have to to, to strategize. And that, that strategy may not happen overnight, but as long as it's in the forefront of a goal, yeah. being achieved is much higher compared to, I'm just gonna go about my day-to-day -day activities and interactions without acknowledging how this how this is impacting me yeah. or not being in awareness that, you know, whatever existing emotions I have right now is gonna be heightened as a result of everyone else around me oh, engaging yeah. in the process too. Yeah. Yeah. So first being aware of where we are um, just on our own and then we can handle everything else. But we first have to check in with ourselves. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then you have to ask yourself the question, OK, how much? OK, how am I doing? How do I feel based on the world how it, and the way it's interacting with me? I feel like that's just a good starting point. Um, but it's always gonna, it's, a, it's a lifelong project to, to always find better means of relieving stress and to alleviate emotional discomfort. 
But first, we have to just acknowledge it and, and be able to accurately um, assess where we're at with, you know, with that. Right, right. Good stuff, Scott. I think um, uh, to, kind of, to kind of play on that, for me, it's about uh, knowing what my thermostat is, where, where, I, where I am on my thermostat. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I know, you know, about how heated I, I can get, about mm -hmm. how much stuff I can take on before it's mm -hmm. too much. Mm -hmm. um, and lately in particular, what I've, what I've uh, been making sure that I do is that I save space for myself. Mm -hmm. um, and I also give grace to myself. And okay. so I'm trying to do that for other people as well, because that's that's what I do for a living. Right. And yeah. I think sometimes as clinicians, it's difficult for us to, to do that same thing for ourselves because yeah. we jump ready to save the world a lot of times. <laughs> yeah. and, double down on that for um how sometimes we can feel that as men uh sometimes we feel like it's we have to be there for everybody else right everybody is dependent on me right i, I <laughs> it and in those moments we feel like it's up to us to expend everything that we have in order to save you know in order to be there for folks and yeah. it um there there's uh uh, indescribable feeling of of um, impotency when you cannot wow. be there for everybody who's dependent on you. When wow. you have big eyes, little eyes, young eyes looking up at you for answers and you don't have them, um, yeah. difficult space to be in. Yeah. And to save space for myself, I have to give myself grace to be able to misstep because these are, are new and uncharted territories. Absolutely. And I also understand that, you know, like I said before, I'm, I'm mad as hell also. Yeah. And sometimes that space that I'm saving for myself, it, it, it might save you from, from a good old fashioned cussing out because you, you, yeah. got, uh, you got Scott, the righteous counselor, and then you got uh, Scott, the, the ratchet Negro. Yeah. <laughs> um, right. And, right. And, and I haven't gotten my, my, um, my thermostat together, yeah. you know, and we have to give ourselves grace to be able to misstep in those ways as well, right? And understanding that uh, much like a business uh, has to reconcile the books every night, you have yeah. to reconcile the books with yourself and say, okay, tomorrow I can be better, right? Wow. I don't necessarily know what better is gonna look like, but I know that I can't do this thing that I did today again uh -huh. and have that kind of grace for yourself. Right, right. Good stuff. Very good stuff. Good stuff. Good stuff. Man, these these questions are pouring in. Um, Bill Coleman says, Dr. Thomas, maybe I missed this, but how do we erase the stigma of black men and women approaching treatment and seeking help? Um, it's going to take some time. You know? I think you're seeing a big push by a lot of celebrities to highlight the, the, you know, the benefits of, of having good mental health. I think it's important for us just to normalize it by just showing that, you know, it's not about something being wrong more so than how can I be at my best potential? How can I get out of my own way? How can I not let um, different things happen to me, you, mm -hmm. know, you know, tell the rest of my story for the rest of my life? So yeah. I think that, you know, we have to normalize it. It's going to take some time. You know, there's individual effort. Uh, I think that it, it comes from the conversations that we have in our own communities and our own families about mental health to, to always make sure that in our in our individual level that we 
work towards creating safe spaces for people to talk about their emotions. It's also help people understand that there, you know, is a resource, um, and that we should eventually start just preparing it like any other med medical specialty. You know, if you broke your arm, you would have no hesitancy whatsoever to go see a doctor. Um, but when you're feeling, you know, having panic attacks or, in, in, you know, any type of anxiety or depression or any other type of mental health issue, we have we put so, so much more weight on it. We, we feel yeah. like personal failure when ultimately, you know, this is a a a, a illness that requires treatment and medical attention. Yeah. People who have spent a, a, a long amount of time dedicating their life to understanding and, and treating things, and so yeah. I think that we just have to take away that something's wrong with me. I failed. That's why I'm seeing this doctor and just yeah. and just really take the power out of it and just yeah. understand, hey, this is a tool. I'm not feeling well. Maybe get better than any other thing in body. But I think it's harder because obviously emotions are more intangible. You know, it's not, yeah. you know, you can't you can't point to a part of your body and say, oh, my emotions are here. You know, yeah. do any type of bodily, bodily uh, issue or damage that's taking place. And so I think it's normalization, um, not only in public, you know, spaces, but also in our homes and our family yeah. and our friends. Um, I also feel like that's that that to me that is to me that's, that's always a push that I have with the stigma is just really just normalize it. It's okay. And mm -hmm. it showcase that, you know, you have to be mentally healthy in order to really push forward in life, you know. Yeah. Very hard to whatever you're doing, if you have untreated anxiety and depression, sure enough not as well as it could be, you know. Yeah. You're not you're not you're not working at your full potential, your full max. Um yeah very uncomfortable way to live. It can cause medical problems later on when it's untreated. And so, you know, I just want it to become more of a just part of the conversation, part yeah. of, you know, just, hey, I'm seeing my therapist today. I don't feel good. We work through it. You know, it becomes it becomes more of a attractive quality. Like it actually, this is a plus that you're working on yourself. And you understand yeah. triggers and that's more appealing, you know, but you, you see so many, there's so many reasons why the stigma exists. And it's not always our fault, you know. You see yeah. so, so much representation when it comes to TV shows and movies, and how therapists are represented, how psychiatrists are represented, how medication management is represented. You know, you see the classic psych unit that looks like a dungeon is someone <laughs> without right. that many mental health conditions. If they're very yeah. severe, they can put you in a catatonic state where you look like that. You look for yeah. not because of the medication. Exactly. Right. The untreated mental health disorder that's just become rampant in your life, you know, and yeah. so um, that normalization is going to take some time. Uh, I think, it's, you know, it's going to be more conversations like this, more people being open and expressing how they got ahead because of focusing on their mental health. You know, we start sharing as part of the success stories and start to normalize in that way. I feel like it'll help, but it, it's, it's definitely going to take some time. And, and I feel like, you know, I, I've seen the steps in place and I've had a number of friends you know, reach out to me about trying to find a therapist and, you know, mm -hmm. solace and me talking about my experiences of, of engaging in therapy, mm -hmm. things I've had to work on and how that's mm -hmm. helped tremendously. tremendously. Um, yeah. It's, it's um, you know, I, I think when you, it just takes some time and, and a lot of conversations and, you know, but I, I think we're heading there. I feel like it's, a yeah. of, you know, we still have a lot of work to do. Yeah, we do. And so I just want to say this because, I just really can't stand when um, 
people say that there are no African-American therapists, psychiatrists, or psychologists, because there are. I have presented one, two, three. <laughs> you know, but I just want to acknowledge that there are African-American clinicians out there. Like there really are. Um, you know, and I can't debate about whether there are, you know, whether the numbers are equal in terms of our counterparts or what have you, but I'm speaking specifically for people who are looking for an African-American clinician. Like, there are people out there, like, I'm always referring people to people in my network or we have networks within our network that we can refer to. So I just want to say, like, don't don't even buy into that belief system that there are no African-Americans who are practicing, who are who have the credentials or the education, because that is totally, totally not true. So it, am I telling Go ahead. It, 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 um, it, even to back on what Dr. Owen was saying, like mm -hmm. some of those conversations, you know, when you're talking with your friends, um, mm -hmm. when, you know, these conversations come up. Uh, I remember when the first time I went to go and see a therapist, it was at the recommendation of one of my friends and we we're having mm -hmm. a discussion about something I was going through in that moment. And he was like, hey, man, you know, are you seeing are you seeing somebody, you know, to kind of talk these things through? Mm -hmm. And I, the most difficult thing for me at the time was was being uh, a person who knows this information. Right. Mm -hmm. I have the the book sense. I, uh, I made really, really good grades. Um, <laughs> right. With everything that's that's in the book, but right. I don't have the ability to be impartial with myself. Wow. One of the key principles uh, in therapy is realizing that you you don't have the ability to be impartial in these situations. Yeah. It's almost yourself permission to recuse yourself from the situation, but also it's uh, normalizing those conversations with your friends and with those people yeah. who are to you when you have those safe spaces to be a, because I don't let everybody work on my car, right? Okay. So if I don't want everybody to work on my car, right? I'm right. gonna go to my friend and I'm gonna say, hey man, who does your work on your car? Or if I'm in, in my friend's home, I'm, I'm gonna say, hey, who painted for y'all, yeah. right? And be as normal as having those types of conversations, right? Wow. Who, who painted this for you? Uh, who did this thing for you? What, mm -hmm. what when you were going through that situation? Um, yeah. got fired. What what did what did you read? Um, who who did you tap into to mm -hmm. to get started with that? And those conversations start to try to you know they they flow normally. Um, when I first went to Atlanta, one of the first things I, I did was tap into my network and say who hey who's your um who's your doctor, right? Mm -hmm. See, you have a black doctor that you trust, right? Mm -hmm. If you have a black yeah. doctor, that you trust in, tell me about them because I need somebody that I trust in this this new place and this new space. And if you have experience, then share that experience with me. And then it's our duty to share the information with the next right. person right. and normalize being in those spaces and saying, hey, I have several things going on right now that are bigger than me. And yeah. it's, it's bigger than you because I made better grades than you in school. So, <laughs> so you know, just normalize having those kind of conversations. And, and right. in a that's that's not hurtful and, yeah. and inviting to say, hey, we can both do this. Yeah. 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 And uh, I'll add that it probably took me five years to see a therapist after realizing I needed to see one. It took like mm -hmm. that long. Um, there was still 
you know, some resistance I had, even though I had a psychology degree, you know, and I, I knew better. <laughs> but you should um, be able to fix yourself, right? But I, I, I it took it <laughs> to take that first step. And um, oftentimes people will get, you know, they, they will get bogged down by that first step. But I know what helped me was that having friends that normalized it. They just talked yeah. about having a therapist like it was nothing, like it was just like having a regular checkup. And I think that um, when you you know when you're around people who uh, normalize things that you see more of a, as a hurdle in some sense, it can yeah. take the power away from it and just realize like, wait, I, you know, let me just have someone help me. I, I have someone helping me if you know if something's wrong with electronics, right? Electrician comes in. Why can't I let someone help me that spend time yeah. to understand um, helping people navigating different stress? But yeah. it can, it can you know, resistance is something that everyone is uh, susceptible to, even, even people who you know have science backgrounds or behavioral health backgrounds. Um, it can be hard, once again, to understand your, your blind spots and to understand your full needs. And so, yeah. but always uh, putting yourself in a position to utilize whatever resources are available for you to. Yeah. Um, and I think that was a big part of my therapy uh, journey was that there was no longer an excuse. I'm in the middle of psychiatry training. I know that things are impacting me in a certain way that will impact my ability to do good work. I'm in a very supportive program that has given me the opportunity to explore therapy if I if I wish to, to do that. And so yeah. I felt like it was a, a perfect time and there was just no more excuses for it. But it did take a while for that to take place. And yeah. you know, you have to be gentle with yourself and, and understand that sometimes resistance can mean different things. Uh, sometimes it's just that, you know, your brain or your, your body is always trying to find a steady state. And so something new is still viewed as a threat, um, a threat to normalcy, even if it's yeah. necessarily healthy. Um, and so whenever we're engaging something unknown, you know, a lot of fear can come from that, but you shouldn't yeah. let that anxiety and that worry from unknown, you know, take away from uh, a positive thing. And ultimately yeah. it's so wrong, you know, seeing a therapist, something's going to be yeah. that you didn't point out that you weren't, necessarily an awareness of before. Right. But uh, that resistance has to get addressed and, you know, there's different ways to do that. But once again, conversations, you know, can also allow for accountability when people know how you're doing or know right. that you're okay, they're more likely to ask you questions about how you're doing. And, yeah. and now they're bringing in mental health conversations in the forefront of the combo, which is now remind more, which ultimately can lead a, a, a door open for opportunities to explore that to engage in health, and we have to talk about it first in order for that to take place. Right, have the conversation. I think the other thing uh, also for me is mm -hmm. like having this framework again, where um, I don't I don't want uh, my people to be set up for uh, situations where we are only talking about survivorship, right? Mm -hmm. These are situations that we, we just want to survive. Like we we have uh, uh, we have the the innate ability we um, and we should all be desiring uh, to thrive, not just survive situations, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that um, from a whole health perspective, from mm -hmm. from you know, from eating right, from uh, checking in with my mental health, it's it's a full system for me. Yeah. So each yeah. part of system has to be in working order in order for it to be operable yeah. right come on social work 
So if everything is, if something is is missing or something, mm-hmm. if I got a flat tire on my bike, then I, I can't ride it. I got to push it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I can. I can. Uh, I can survive. You know, pushing my bike up, up the hill. But if I got if I, if I got that thing with, and I got it in pristine condition and mm-hmm. I get a to feel the, the wind in my beard hair anyway, cause I ain't got no hair up here, but, but that's, that's thriving, right? Being yeah. able to feel in your hair and being able to glide for a minute. Yeah. And uh, that's another thing that, that, you know, kind of resonates in these situations where, you know, we yeah. look at where we are in America. Uh, we're trying to figure out how to survive the things that are going on. And uh, yeah. it's, you know, I believe that we're entitled to thrivership. I, I don't want to live a life anymore of survivorship, not in this country. Uh, yeah, not for these are going on. I'm not yeah. going to do it because my family deserves to thrive. We've been yeah. asking for years on years on years. Yeah. And it was because I haven't done my work. Right. So folks were talking to me today about um, are we going to have these conversations? You know, are we going to have healthy dialogue? Now, we're doing internal work right now, Pim. I ain't got time. You know, about getting us to a point where I'm, I'm not talking to you about how to survive right now. I'm talking about thrivership. If yeah. we're, not, we're not talking about that, I don't, I don't have any talk for you. Right. And I'm ratchet Scott that came out for a second. I'm, I'm back. <laughs> you back. <laughs> that's good though. That's that's really good. Like, and especially being in like this quarantine or this shutdown mode. Um, it's causing a lot of people to really have to look inward because everything else that we could be distracted by, um, you know, we don't have all of those things anymore. Or a lot of people don't feel safe going out so much and engaging and indulging in those things. So we are having to do a lot right. of internal work, uh, most definitely. Natalie says, um, this has been absolutely helpful. I know this is geared towards men, but wow. As a woman, this has been very, very helpful. I wasn't expecting this to have such an impact on me. Excellent. Thank you. So, very cool. I'm trying to get through these. Yes. Listen, wifey is on here. She said, you better preach, sir. She is on here. Listen. (laughs) Miss Hayes is representing. Um, Yes to thriving. Amen. Agreed. Therapy saved my life. Um, All good points. So there are two other questions that I have. And I know that I have like hijacked your time tonight because we were supposed to be done at nine o'clock. So I'm sorry. Do what? I knew we were finishing at nine. This is too important. I'm so sorry. I just, but this is so good. This is so good. So I actually have. Um, and, and thank you all for putting your, your questions in the comments. Um, Premier Art says, Scott Hayes normalized the idea of therapy for me. Talking to someone who was one of the best, one of, talking to someone was one of the best things I've done for my life. Okay. So very cool. Very cool. Very cool. All right. So, um, gosh. So. I wanted to ask a question very quickly about um, medication. So, uh, Dr. O, if you can go here for about two minutes, um, just a general overview of, because we, you know, of course, there are a lot of questions about medication. There's also a lot of stigma about it. There's a lot of um, apprehension about it. 
Um, and so if you can just briefly talk about, um, yeah, so I, I mean, I, I, whatever you feel like, whatever you feel like are, are the, like most of the questions that you get about medication. Um, so let's, let's go here very quickly. Yeah, I mean, butter pediatric practice definitely involves medication, um, mm -hmm. you know, quite a lot of them. And, and they're not all the same, you know, they all have different mechanisms of action, works in different parts of the brain, you mm -hmm. know, different benefits and different side effects, you know. And so when you see these ads on commercials on TV, mm -hmm. you know, oftentimes they may only, they may describe a medication and this long list of side effects, which are valid, but they may, that may not actually be the, the, the level of medication you need to treat your symptoms. And so oftentimes when you go and see a psychiatrist, the, the goal is designed to determine what medications would be useful for, for this individual. But what we really want is someone to get all the benefits of the medication without any side effects. You know, uh, We have a number of medications where they're not as uh, heavy compared to medications used to, to treat schizophrenia or used to treat bipolar disorder. But uh, usually any doctor that's prescribing medication, we know how it works, we know what to look out for. And so we normally start at very low doses because we know that someone's body needs to adjust to this new foreign substance into their system. Um, and we're very much comfortable in, in navigating that with a, with a person. Oftentimes, you know, people can have side effects and particularly uh, African-Americans, you know, we, we are more likely to have side effects of medications. And so it's just important to, to understand that your doctor needs to understand what's going on. We need to know, you know, how you're feeling, you know, we will tell you side effects to look out for, but the goal is not for you to just kind of live with this unpleasant reaction. We want you to have more benefits than any types of downsides to it. Um, and most mental health disorders, when they're properly treated, you know, we can really start medications that are less likely to cause, you know, weight gain or sexual dysfunction or decreased libido or sex drive. Um, but those can happen with certain medications that we have. I think the, the overall, you know, message I want to convey is that there's a number of different ones. Um, you have to really work with a doctor to determine what's the best one for you. The more you let your doctor know, the better, the more I can understand and, and treat things certain ways. Um, but there is a big statement when it comes to medication. And I think uh, people, you know, once again, that this, you know, the, the, the goal to normalize things is very important. Someone can say, oh, I take medication for high cholesterol or blood pressure, but taking a psychiatric medication has so much more weight to it. Yeah. That can, oftentimes that hurts more people than helps them. Yeah. And so, you know, um, we're very comfortable with, with understanding some people want to eventually get off medications and they want to know their long-term you know goals when it comes to that uh but we were, were very much educated to tell someone what to expect to look out for um there are a number of different medications used to treat various different types of disorders it's important to really just engage in conversation with your doctor about it because uh yeah. we know the more we can treat and like right. before someone can try medication out have a bad experience and then they don't, go, they don't go to the doctor's office anymore. They're afraid right. that you know, they had this unpleasant side effect when, you know, if they would have let me know that two days later after I prescribed it, I could have started something else. And so yeah. the more I know, the better. Um, we understand that most people do not want to, you know, be on medication the rest of their lives. We can accommodate that as much as we can, but overall the goal is to be someone halfway. Um, yeah. Not every medication is, is for everyone. And so yeah. 
That's one of the things I like about psychiatry is actually that everyone can have a different treatment plan regardless of having the same diagnosis. Um, but you have to really understand the person that you're working with and how they view their illness, how they view medications. Um, you could work with someone that may, you know, have holistic options, but mm -hmm. for serious conditions, you probably need a holistic option and a medication option. Both right. Well, but therapy is all therapy with medication management tends to be the you're doing really great if you can get both. Um, right. You know, right. to help most people, most people benefit from that exercise. Uh, some people would benefit from taking medications. You can do. You can really make a lot of good strides. You know, so right. um, medications are not the end all, be all, and, and self wellness and self care uh, is a tool used to help to uh, you know find a better baseline when there's different neurochemicals that may be releasing mm -hmm. in or certain parts of the brain that are overactive over other parts of the brain due to genetics or you know, lifestyle habits or stressors or, you know, a uh, number of different uh, things can impact our, our brain's ability to, you know, function in this correct state. And right. can help with that, but it's not the end all be all of treatment and, and no doctor ever says that either. So it's just really about being engaged and being open to have a conversation so that you can right. and, and, and utilize the tool that's available. Right. And I want to partner Scott with this. Um, Scott, talk about um, adding the the therapy piece on top of the medication component. Uh, I, I think it's important, uh, especially when you talk about uh, usually how we operate as a part of a multidisciplinary team. Mm -hmm. My and what Dr. Odin is is uh, giving is that I'm going to be having those conversations with with uh, my client at that time mm -hmm. about kind of the the importance of partnership and treatment. Yeah. Uh, with with your provider. Right. Uh, this is your psychiatrist. This is your 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 prescriber. Then you want to come into that conversation uh, when your treatment team is being developed or when your treatment plan is being developed with saying, hey, I'm not really sure if I want to do medications or my ultimate goal is not to be on medications. Mm -hmm. um, so being able to immediately identify uh, what it is that you want to do as a result of the medications. I've been on X, Y, Z in the past. Uh, I don't ever want to be on that again. Is mm -hmm. there an alternative? Um, mm -hmm. I, I had, um, we started this medication trial and I had uh, this side effect. Mm -hmm. um, and we try something different. And mm -hmm. again, like Owen was saying, when, when people try something and you almost um, think that that conversation with the psychiatrist or whoever is above your head, they may just decide to never come back again. Yeah. So, yeah. A portion of my role in, in the therapy piece of it is yeah. uh, take this and apply it to your everyday life. How can you yeah. live um, and have this going on? Right. Yeah. How can you normalize this for you and make sure that it's integrated into what you have going on already so it's mm -hmm. a normal part of your life so that you know that you get up in the morning, you take your medications, and then uh, you have a 1030 appointment uh, mm -hmm. with to discuss uh how, you, how your girl was tripping last night. <laughs> that um, The way that I view my role very simplistically is that uh, I believe that we can have both and, right? Yeah. You have to, to take your medication and be able to do some talk therapy and yeah. work through issues as well. But yeah. if 
my mind is all over the place. I can't get my mind calmed down enough to even have that portion of the therapeutic conversation. Then that's where we all come together and we say, hey, let's try this medication with some talk therapy. Yeah. Right? Your goal is to get off the medication. Then mm-hmm. uh, we can do a trial of you being on your dose or something like that. And I'll, mm-hmm. I'll, the, the link between uh, the client and the, and the psychiatrist a lot of times. So that we can make sure that everybody's in communication about what's going on. Right. Yeah. And I also like to add that most side effects are reversible. You know, we feel odd, stop the medication, just stop it. You know, let me know, we can start something else. Um, yeah. And so I think people are afraid of having a side effect that can cause some type of permanent damage. And of course, we have medications that need to be used appropriately, used as directed. Um, right. But oftentimes I, I just really just take out the, 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 the the fear of it. Like, hey, if you feel odd after three days from taking the medication, just stop it. Let me know. We'll just start some, somewhere else. Yeah, you know, yeah. Problem solved. Um, we're not at a dead end. There's more treatment options here. Um, yeah. I'm sorry that happened. I can't always predict, you know, how someone's going to how someone's gonna handle a certain medication. I'll always mm-hmm. try to put it at the lowest dose possible to get your body adjusted to it. But yeah. ultimately, if you like it, stop it and let me know. Just do the yeah. part. That's the part that's often missing. Um, yeah piece and like Scott yeah. says, you know, people will just don't go at all and they're expecting maybe some type of, you know, um, adversarial conversation between a doctor or why didn't you mm-hmm. like it or what happened and it's not like that. We know uh, that different things can happen and we're yeah. both eager to, we, we want someone to feel better and we want them to, to see the, the, the benefits of taking the medication and right. I had any unpleasantries about it either because that just makes the job harder when it happens. Um, yeah. But the goal is to make things better and not make things worse. And you know, right. stop the medication and just communicate with your doctor what's going on yeah. so we can figure out another plan. Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. Good stuff. So, Dr. O, Joey says Dr. Odin has been a blessing as a therapist, a true friend, and a brother. Oh, without hesitation, I highly recommend seeking out his counsel. Oh, that's nice. That's nice. This kind of feedback is so helpful because sometimes, and I'm sure you guys can attest, sometimes you may question whether or not you're really making a difference. Um, and so getting that type of feedback is just, yeah, like tell your therapist, tell your 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 psychiatrist or whomever that, you know, if they've helped you, that kind of feedback is 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 helpful. Yeah. Um, so the we have some ladies over here who are saying and, and some guys who are saying that, listen, they have already signed up for I'm not OK. Part two. They like, listen, fam, listen, we have hijacked their time for an hour and a half. <laughs> but I am tremendously grateful for this conversation. I feel like it could just go like on and on and on because there's so much um, that we can share. There's so much that you have to share. And it's just, especially when we talk about mental health, we talk about treatment, we talk about it in terms of men, in terms of African-American men, like the conversation, there's just not enough conversation that is happening. Um, So as a quick wrap up, y'all there in the comments, like we need a part two fail. (laughs) So uh, we're going to see, we're going to work some stuff out. You know, I'll say that. Um, So in terms of you know just going back and being sensitive to everything that is going on now what would you recommend in terms of and i know that you each have kind of touched on this but in in 
trying to wrap up here and bring it home, um, what would you talk? What would you recommend in terms of coping with, like Scott said, the um, the anger or the sadness? I think I I posted something. I saw something and I reposted it the other day. That was like, how am I feeling? First, I'm terrible, and then I'm laughing, and then I'm okay, and then I don't care, and then I'm falling apart again. And it's like all of these different emotions at one time. Um, which is what I think is the most overwhelming thing is, is feeling multiple emotions at one time and not being able to feel like, well, should I address the anger? Should I address the sadness? Should I address the confusion? Because it's all happening at the same time. And so, um, Scott, I'm going to start with you. What would you recommend or what has been most helpful for you in dealing with just the the complexity of what we're in a pandemic? you know, we, we're in a, 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 what feels like a civil war, <laughs> you know, how are you coping with the complexity of, of all of this? And then I'm going to um, get your thoughts as well, Dr. O. So there are multiple things um, happening for me right now. And I, I think the, the main thing that I'm doing is um, recognizing uh, my mm-hmm. humanity. Okay. And, and being honest with myself about how I feel at, okay. at any given moment. Um, okay. I think that my reality is that um, when these things happen and they mm-hmm. hit, like, boom, 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 boom. Yeah. Um, yeah. As a man, my automatic response is to sometimes take away my own humanity by, and I have to put my armor on, or I have to yeah. put my finger on in yeah. this moment. And yeah. I, I give myself permission to go into this mode to where it's just protection, right? It's about um, making it through that day. And um, the reality is, is that um, the things that we see happening, right? They can, they can be dehumanizing. They can walk walking around terrified, right? And we know a lot of times as men, we can't, we can ill afford to walk around being terrified. But we can also ill, Ill afford walking around being unprepared because that's yeah. when you have caught up in some stuff. But yeah. it's about recognizing what I have going on in that moment. And the part that I'll be honest that I'm that I'm I'm still grappling with is uh, you know, and I and I think I posted this somewhere too. Uh, having some level of expertise in dealing with past trauma and having to be honest with myself that this is active trauma. That's happening in yes. real time. Right? Real time. <laughs> that I can do in these moments is be honest with myself about whoa. Right. I I I, I have to unplug from social media for, for a minute because I know that uh my settings may be set to autoplay and ain't no telling what's gonna pop up on my timeline. Listen, you better shut that thing off because it's real out here in these streets. No autoplay. Right. When you know what your internal temperature is when you check that internal thermostat you yeah. have to it's time for you to unplug be yeah. honest with yourself about how you're feeling in that moment and if that feeling is is being overwhelmed then yeah you do some 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 self checks right and have some self talk yeah. knowing yeah. that i can get through this day but i cannot get through it with checking my social media every five minutes and yeah. seeing what yeah. next thing getting ready to be mad about because my reality is i gotta go into this other therapy session where i'm trying to help someone else we yeah. can't be saying uh 
you know, and not knowing who the therapist is and 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 crying together, you know, and trying to help this person separate trauma, right? <laughs> right. But the other thing that I did again today was call my therapist and see if he can bump me up. Listen, fam, like, did you have a cancellation? Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm right here. Shoot me a text. Right. I, I need to holler at you, but and right. that's also the nature of of the relationship that I have with my therapist. I hit him yeah. on text. Like, hey man, you know, I'm, I ain't trying to get no free time from you, but I'm, I'm telling you right now, in this moment, I'm struggling. If if you have a um, you have uh, a minute, let me know if I can jump in with you. Um, yes. Just being honest with yourself, and and so often we're we're not honest with ourselves, and and, yeah. and in that we end up being dishonest with yeah. the people who can help us the most. Yes. Yes. Wow. Absolutely. Wow, good stuff, good stuff, good stuff. Dr. O, yeah, talk to us. I also add that it's, you know, right now we're, we're dealing with something unprecedented. You know, I, I've never had to uh, sort through so many emotions going on at once before. Mm -hmm. uh, I've never really had to uh, navigate so many people around me having emotional distress on top of having all emotional distress on top of being in a, a place of a business in which I work you know, I help people work through their emotional stress. And so that's been pretty impactful. I first started by just really being honest about how I felt. Friends were checking in. How do you feel? Like, I feel numb. I kind of feel a little dead inside. I've been working on it, you know? But it's kind of being about the emotion at the time. You know, there was just no, I didn't feel like there, were, there was any room to pretend uh, how I felt. And it was just easier to actually let this person engage to support. They reached out to me for a reason. Me saying, I'm all right, that doesn't really do it justice. It's not taking advantage of that that opportunity for me to lean on friendship, you know? And so yeah. it's important to really acknowledge how you're feeling. It's definitely important to, to watch how you utilize social media right now. Uh, checking social media is not the same as checking in with your friends, you know? So you may think that you're checking in on people by checking their profiles out. But that's actually not um, checking in with your friends. That's not in right. those seconds. And so uh, there's a lot that's being you know, filmed and recorded and reviews. And you have to be very careful and understand that you know social media is a tool. And a lot of tools require proper handling and understanding how you can be impacted by it. Right. Um, just with the George uh, Floyd case, you know, yeah. George. Sorry, the George Floyd uh, murder. Um, mm -hmm. When that occurred. You know, my mom called me. She asked me if I saw the video. I told her I didn't. I was like, I'm not really, I'm working right now. I'm not in the mood to see it. And she told me more things to describe what happened during the video. And then, you know, against a better judgment, I watched it. And I watched it for a bit. And the whole day was, you know, affected from it. And I, I knew it, you know, from, from the jump. I was like, I'm in a dark place now. This, this feels very bad, you know, and, yeah. and really seeing. And once again, talking about how, you know, we're very sensitive people. We're very connected. When we see these murders take place, you know, this person looks like a relative. He looks like a friend. You know, I, I you know, this is someone who I can relate to a number of different yeah. So definitely affected by that, you know, for someone to scream out for their mother who's deceased, um, knowing that some people, when they're dying, they may see, they start to hallucinate or they start yeah. seeing And so, you know, to see this person in that process of dying, and to see how that all took place and even seeing the negligence on part of the, the, e, the EMS services, you know, not securing a spine, not securing an airway, no CPR measures taking place, 
you know, that whole time in that video recording, um, you see this injustice, and so it's hard for it not to affect you. But, you know, I, at least I watched the video on my time. I knew I wasn't ready for it just because it presented itself on my computer screen or yeah. my laptop. I'm sorry, my phone. You know, these, these social media applications are designed for you to to look into it, to press yeah. it, press play. It's all designed. Yeah. And so you have to be very cognizant of that, understand your triggers, understand your own past traumas and being aware of that. You may not, you may want to go to the protest, but that might not be, that may not be the day for it. You might be under a high degree of stress. Um, you may be triggered due to the other stressors going on at the time. And so, you know, there's there's more than one way to be active. There's more than one way to engage with the community. And protest for some people, that's very traumatic. Big crowds, it's not something they can really tolerate. Uh, they may have unpleasant experiences. And so be very mindful of, of how you utilize social media. Um, actually tell your friends how you're, how you're doing when they reach out. You know, don't right. wait for the opportunity. Don't just say, okay, don't say I'm fine. Say you're, right. or you're mad or whatever. Um, allow that to come out because it's already inside of you. It's going to go yeah. somewhere. Um, but I feel like, you know, also know that this is a great time to reach out for resources, for assistance. Uh, there's yeah. a of, of, of online, you know, telemedicine platforms for therapists, psychiatrists. Uh, We're going to get, I'm actually going to get to that part. I was going to put that. So you're flowing right into where I was going, but go ahead. <laughs> so yes, yes. What he said, there are a ton. Thank you for, for sharing the tips on how things that we can do to unplug. Sounds like you guys are flowing in the same vein with just reaching out to your friends, your family, being honest about how you feel and also unplugging just because something shows up on your screen, I mean, you better start. Me and my friends have this joke where we'd be like, girl, I saw that and I scrolled real fast. Like, I just, I don't even know what happened in the video because the minute I, was, I heard the music, I was like, oh no, we're not doing this today. And just scroll by real fast. So yes, absolutely. Um, knowing what would be triggering for you. Um, as you said, there are a lot of resources one of the resources that I often refer to, and both of you guys can chime in, um, I often refer to um, Psychology Today. Um, mm -hmm. Dr. O, you're on Psychology Today, correct? Yes, yes. Um, Scott, are you are you doing any private practice work? I am not. You are not. Okay. But if people have recommendations for therapists, either of you guys can recommend, right? Yeah, definitely. Right. Psychology. Today is definitely the, the gold standard. You know, I feel like most therapists are on there. And, and usually when I have uh, people posing questions as to how mm -hmm. therapists, I don't mm -hmm. psychology today. It also has a lot of mental health articles written by therapists and psychiatrists mm -hmm. on psychology mm -hmm. as well. So I feel like mm -hmm. a really good resource for mental health topics to be discussed with professionals. And I mean, I, I also enjoy you know, someone who has a long history of mental health problems that engages their social media platform and talks about their story is very relatable. A lot of people connect with that. But it's also important to know that there are people who have spent, you know, 10 years of their life studying certain things and, and also realize mm -hmm. and understand the importance of, of expert advice and also understand right. the importance of, you know, someone who's lived through something and has a lot to share as a result. They're, they're both equally important. It's right. Important to be able to, to utilize that when you can. Right. So the either or would be applicable. Okay. So beyond psychology today, um, there is a, so are there any, cause I know that we have the, um, therapy for black girls 
platform where for women we go to find an African-American therapist. Is there something like that for men that you're aware of? Okay, if there's not, then one of you guys can start that, right? We'll talk offline, we'll get that started, all right. <laughs> so other than Psychology Today, um, online resources, um, are there any other recommendations for people who can, um, people who are interested in seeking help? I feel like, I feel like psychology today is like the biggest one that I refer to. Definitely. Of course, uh, mm -hmm. National Alliance of Mental Illness. Not yes. There's yeah. a lot of good information on medication. So oftentimes I'll instruct a patient to Google the name of the medication and NAMI behind it. And the first link will go to the website. And it's just really written for patients well. Because if you can if you Google medications, you might find all types of stuff in different chat rooms and things can be sometimes sensationalized or you're not getting the full uh, picture. You know, someone may be describing the worst moment of their life for medication, but they didn't tell you the dose or what other pre-existing conditions that they had that may have worsened that happening. Right. So there's a lot of, uh, I wouldn't say misinformation, but the story, the full depth of the story may not be told when you randomly find stuff online regarding prescription information. So NAMI, the National Alliance of Mental Illness, tends to be my go-to resource for uh, information for, for patients. And they oftentimes you can call them and find different community clinics in your area as well. Mm -hmm. Is it? It's the National Alliance of Mental Illness or on Mental Illness? Which one is it? Good question. I thought it was uh, on. But it could okay. Be. We'll, we'll roll with that. <laughs> what'd, you, what'd you say, Scott? What'd you say? I'm rolling with on. You roll. <laughs> you rolling with on. <sighs> I think too. Um, not necessarily a, a, a resource, but. This this idea that um, and I don't want this to, to seem uh, uh, just well. You are your greatest resource. Yeah. Uh, you know, the trust the way that you're feeling, uh, and the the main thing is like to have this unconditional positive regard for yourself, yeah. right? No matter what is going on, I'm worthy. I'm worth it. Right. And whatever it takes, if I got to do my Googles, if I got to make some phone calls um, to, to see who's available and also with uh, establishing a, a therapist or or seeing a psychiatrist is much mm -hmm. like you know, the investment that you would make into any other long term relationship. You know, mm -hmm. you might have to date that person for a little bit to see if it's going to work out. Right. Mm -hmm. And I have that level unconditional positive regard for myself, knowing that this is going to be a long term relationship. Right. Yeah. Right. My barber, right, is is mm -hmm. gonna be my barber, right? My mechanic right. is be my mechanic. I, right. I need the same kind of long term relationship as it relates to my physical health and as it relates to my mental health. Right. right. It's be, so I might have to date around a little bit before I before I uh lock one in. Lock it in. <laughs> because I'm worthy and because I'm yeah. worth this yes. everything that I have. So we're starting with this internal work and, and it, the person is going to have to be willing to be an expert on me, right? Yeah. But expert on me. So if I, if I jump into this session and you're not listening to what I'm talking about, then we're getting ready to break up and I'm going to move on to, to the next move on. But you are your greatest resource in terms of, of being in touch with what it is that you need and being mm -hmm. able to communicate that information appropriately and having that level of unconditional positive regard to say, yeah. 
accept this. I'm moving on to the next person. Yeah. That's that's, that's so good. Yeah, that's good. so long. And you know, I really like that you touched on just having that 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 self-talk, you know, and, and what you say to yourself when you start your day and how that's that's um, that's immediate influence that we can have in our lives, you know. And oftentimes when I'm having a rough week, you know, I will before I get out of bed, I will just talk to myself, like, you know, I'm a descendant from a Brazilian people, I'm a descendant from 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 kings, queens to, to slaves, yeah. from healers to architects. And I come from a family that's been resistant, you know, to yeah. to different trials and tribulations. You know, we've shown that resiliency. And so whatever tools I have available at this moment, I will utilize them in, in this day to navigate this to the best of my ability. Right. Um, and I feel like whatever your mantra, your affirmation needs to be to to understand the current climate that we're all in and how it's affecting us, it starts with yourself and it starts with you know what you say in the mirror to yourself and how you yeah. think about yourself. You know, it, it, that's really a, a good cornerstone of how things are gonna go in a day based yeah. on reviewing yourself first. And so uh, Scott did a you know really good job in, in highlighting that and, and 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 also talking about the power of that because it's very important. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Very good stuff. So Wow. This has been absolutely amazing as always. So we have all these shout outs over here. Guys, please go back and read the comments. Like you guys are getting shout outs. Dr. O, um, Scott, like just agreement and crying out for a part two. Somebody said Scott looking like Morris Chestnut. <laughs> Somebody is trolling you. Lionel Martin Jr. is, is trolling you. Um, <laughs> so hey Latoya, thank you for tuning in. So this was so good, guys. Thank you so 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 much for taking the time to hang out with us, giving us just so much wisdom tonight. Like I feel like as always, you know, I'm I'm always excited, and then when I get into the conversation, it's always just so much better than even I expected. And so I, I'll be going back to watch the replay because this was absolutely amazing. So um, I think that everybody can follow your social media. Give me quickly, give me, well, what social media handles can people follow you on um, that you feel comfortable with? And then we will actually um, close out. So Yes, thank you all for tuning in. So, um, Dr. O, where can people follow you? So, I'm um, So, you can find me there if you're, you know, uh, trying to find some services. As far as my Instagram handle is Dr. So, Dr. Uh, Thomas Oden, and you'll find me there. Um, those are my main uh, social media outlets at this time, but, you know, working on expanding that. Give me your your Instagram again. It's a uh, uh, doctor. Mm -hmm. So it's uh, dr. Thomas Oden. Gotcha. Yeah. We put the at sign for IG. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Scott. Where can people follow you? Uh, best place to follow me is on IG. It's uh, Scotty underscore lives underscore out o-w-t uh underscore loud scotty lives out loud you gotta have all these underscores it's important 
<laughs> okay, repeat it one more time. Let me make sure that I got it. So that's Scotty with a Y underscore mm -hmm. lives mm -hmm. underscore out underscore mm -hmm. out. Got it. Oh, Scott, we have some things in common. Man. I didn't, I didn't know. So, yeah, yeah, gotta reach out. Yeah, we're, we're probably yeah. Really, really, really uh, big deal fraternity. You know, <laughs> the the audience has been extremely blessed to be uh, in in a company of uh, a couple of omegas who are also clinicians, mental health professionals. We do this. We do this. Really? Okay. <laughs> I'll save my comments for offline. <laughs> But, so but really, thank you, thank you. I want to tell you uh, that uh, we really do appreciate you allowing us to use your platform to have this conversation. Uh, it's really important, and uh, we appreciate you. Just can't tell you enough how many people have have just said, "Hey, I, I can't wait to tune into the conversation." People are, you know, wanting to have this information, and even folks who you know may not be willing to, to say it. They're, they're tuning in and taking the information back to those people that they love in order to create those safe spaces and for some of for some of us to be able to establish those safe spaces. So your platform yeah. is very important and I appreciate you inviting us on. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Thank you guys for, for tuning in and um, for offering um, your, your wisdom, like not only as clinicians, but as men, like on a very, like having the, the clinical expertise and then also coming to us from a standpoint of just being a human being, like you guys did such a good job of balancing that for us. And so I appreciate it so much. I'm sure that everybody in the comment section, look, y'all started all these shout outs in the comment section, Lord have mercy, Jesus. Um, <laughs> but I'll, I'll let you guys go back and um, read the comments and all of that. Thank you to everyone who tuned in. Please share this with your father, your brother, your, your bae, your quarantine bae, your boo thing, your husband, your nephews, like whatever, like share this with the men in your life who you know that this would benefit. Um, also, the replay is going to be on my Facebook page. Um, in about 24 hours, it's going to be posted permanently to my YouTube page. So thank you all for tuning in. We will be in talks about part three and so our part two of this, but it'll actually be the third part of this men's mental health series. Thank you guys so, 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 so much. And you're right. I am blessed to be in your company, but it's because you guys are such awesome guys and just very decent and compassionate human beings. And so absolutely, I was blessed tonight and I'm sure that everybody else that tuned in was blessed as well. And so we are signing off. Make sure that you catch the replay. If you catch the replay, um, type hashtag replay in the comments. Thank you. I hope that everyone um, is well and that you stay as safe as can be. And we are signing off. Good night. All right, I'll take care.